Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast. Our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I am Chad Simpson. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jim Good and Gian Lemmy. What's up, guys? Hey, Jen. What's up, Chad? Hey, we in February, we decided we were going to kick off uh, this this month with a, a focus on relationships. And so uh, this is week three as we're dealing dealing with relationships within the coaching world. And uh, as we were brainstorming, uh, Kurt Sovine was the guy that I wanted to to pick his brain on on marriage and parenting and relationships in general. Um, Kurt. Kurt was my youth pastor uh, in high school. Uh, Kurt went on to plant a church in Danville, Illinois after that. Um, and then just in the last two years or so, he, he received a promotion where he's now overseeing pastors and um, church planting for the Christian Missionary Alliance across the Midwest. And so he's uh, a, a coach now to the pastors, kind of like we're trying to be the, the coaches to the coaches. Um, but gentlemen, what did you what did you hear out of this interview? I liked um, the comment he made about the devil is always going to try to be destroying your marriage, um, and I think had a little bit of a screw tape letters feel to that comment, um, and I, that really stood out to me. I enjoyed this uh, episode, Chad, with Kurt. I'm enjoying this month and the topic, uh, and he started talking about um, learning the pace of his spouse for restoration. And uh, anytime my wife, Eve and I have a healthy discussion, we're not going to use the word fight or argument, but my pace is a little quicker. I'm ready to resolve. And her pace is a little bit guarded. And I'm learning that as he was going through that, I'm, I'm sure those of us coaches that are married and we just have a different pace and learn how to respect that pace for restoration. So that was really good insight. Yeah, that's, that's good, Jim. And um, yeah, Kurt, every time, you know, he was the guy that, that would uh, help, help me change out windows in my broken down car. And uh, just uh, can't say enough about, about the man that Kurt is. And two, two things I, I heard that you guys should tune into is number one, just on forgiveness um just just how important that is in dating and then into marriage um and then as far as coaching goes he talks about building programs versus building a culture just in regards to how he built a a really beautiful youth group and it was cool for me to hear in into his heart there on uh, what he was aiming for but i think that's relatable for the coach as well so uh, we don't want to waste any more time we're ready to get into this episode right now Kurt, man, I, I came to Christ when I was 13 and I stumbled into your your youth group in Danville, Illinois, about a year later and uh, humbled and honored uh, to have known you this long for you to be my mentor and friend and brother in Christ and just so excited to have you on the podcast. But we'd like to we like to get right into it here. And so, Kurt, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Well, Chad, it's probably important for people to know that I don't coach anything at a high level, uh, but I have spent plenty of time at lower levels coaching as well as being coached. And I love the idea, all things to the glory of God, whether that's playing, practicing. Um, I think it's a hard question because 
almost everything that the world celebrates about coaching and sports and competition, um, almost everything the world celebrates does not bring glory to God. And I think that that makes it a challenge. So I'll let the experts of coaching figure out how to apply this in terms of competing uh, to the glory of God. But what I do know is that coaches have tremendous influence on young people. Some of that I think is the hours they put in. It's the life that they live together. It's the attitude toward diversity and adversity that they see because you end up with a mix of all sorts of highs and lows, all sorts of people. I think back to playing soccer and just the makeup of the team and how the coach had to deal with uh, young people from all kinds of backgrounds and even globally all over the world. And uh, there, I got some few, a few stories of some special, special dudes that I played with at the coach. I just kind of watched them have to deal with a whole nother culture on the field having to deal with ugly stuff that goes with sports, um, attitudes toward winning, attitudes toward losing, handling all of those things. I think all that's an opportunity for a Christian coach to model something different than what the world typically sees. And uh, it feels like a, a little bit of a dangerous area because that goes sideways quickly. But when it when it goes well, I think Jesus is honored and, and young people get to see something special about what it means to follow the Lord regardless. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. And um, just going back to your journey, I, I don't think we've ever really talked much about it, but um, just your your sports background, getting to play soccer at Tacoa, can you just share a little bit about that experience, things that you learned uh, along the way? Yeah. So I had the coach, right? The guy that did it really well. Okay. Um, stud soccer player. Highly gifted as a soccer coach, took a bunch of a bunch of guys like me who who couldn't play soccer anywhere else, and uh, took us to national tournaments on a regular basis. And this guy was amazing. But what I remember looking back, Chad, um, had to do with what he modeled for us. He, I watched that man go through incredible stuff, even with school admin, where they did some things that the team was ready to just revolt and say, you you can't do that to our coach. And he just took it in stride. He stayed humble. He worked beyond what was expected of him. He did things that were above and beyond. And the guy cared about our lives deeply. He actually cared about our walk with Christ. He cared about our lives off the field. So off season turned into, um, a developmental time for us personally. We'd go to his place. He'd invite us to dinner. The whole team would be there and he would invest in us and he would let us see what his marriage looked like. And, and that was fascinating to watch coach and his wife and how they interacted with each other. He did a really good job of balancing hard work and we worked hard, but uh, balancing that with the rest of life and making Jesus central. Mm. Yeah, and then so continuing your journey, you ended up uh, marrying Kimberly um, and then going to Danville Alliance. And I'm not sure how many years before I would have shown up there. Um, but yeah, I, I was just thinking through the um, carryover, things that, that coaches could learn from from leaders, pastor or uh, or in business. But you you created a 
really special environment in that youth group. You know, a lot of youth groups are just playing dodgeball. Um, kids aren't being impacted. But I, I was just thinking about that this morning on on how special that that was for me to be a part of and kind of come into that that team that that you built and, and that you were pastoring. But can you just share um, just in youth ministry, because I think there's some some lessons that we can learn. But what were you trying to build within that that youth group? So, Chad, somewhere along the way, I bumped into this idea that you can go after culture shaping or you can go after programs. And programs are easy. You start one, you stop one, you you hope that some people show up or you can build a culture. And building a culture takes a lot more work and a lot more time and, and probably more diligence but I, I learned pretty quickly that I wanted to build a culture where when people come in from the outside of the church, non-Christians or even younger people, right, who step into to step into that youth ministry, they're stepping into a cultural experience of something different. So they walk in and they they fairly quickly discern one, the youth guy isn't a fun chocolate syrup and throwing eggs type guy. He's, he's doing something a little bit different, but also that the young people in this room are taking seriously what's going on and seriously in, investing in one another's lives. And so you weren't there, Chad, when this whole thing first started, but it was, it was, it was quite the, the uh, journey of watching some young people, particularly young guys, all they knew how to do was pick on each other and find the weak link in the room and try to embarrass them. And we struggled early on to change that culture so that when people showed up from whatever background, there was a sense of there's a seriousness here about Jesus. And you have to be willing to, to accept the consequences and the outcomes of that being, if people are just looking for the fun and the party, then they're probably not going to stick around. And I was quite content with that that if you want if you want to walk with the lord and get close to him this might be a great place for you if you want all the other things uh there are some way better places really close by and you probably should just go there about how long do you think it kind of took to go from those two or three that that you inherited to wow we have this web of of leaders making disciples have have bought into this culture yeah the first year that that group of of high school students, um, probably the entire year was the the shift, and um, it took a while, Chad. It wasn't it wasn't a couple weeks, and I didn't teach my way out of that. Right, it wasn't stand up front, drop a couple lessons on them, and everything changes. I spent hours and hours and hours. Uh, Actually, it's where I got most of my experience of watching coaches coach were in those early days of going to high school things and then sitting with people and finally hearing a bit more of their hearts. And I remember one one story, Chad, where a young man finally broke down and shared with me that all of the all of the back and forth between the guys, he was a target of a lot of it. And he broke down and, and it wasn't pretty what he was actually experiencing and I, I kind of upped it after that with this is more serious than any of us realize. We have got to create a culture where the love of Jesus is obvious. Mm, that's really good. 
Um, and I like what you said about it's not just standing up and dropping a few messages. Um, because for me, as I look back on the three plus years that that I was a part of your uh, sitting under your teaching, you know, there's probably two or three messages um, that I could remember. But what I really do remember was how you um, how you chased after Jesus, how you loved uh, your bride um, and just how you cared. And you're, you're sitting at Wendy's at nine o'clock at night with us, like going the second mile. And so that's that's kind of what I carry with me. But this uh, this month, we're really wanting to kind of get into um, marriage. We we know that that marriage is is our are under attack. Um, and so just want to serve our coaches through through these conversations and lessons that we can learn. Um, and so just think back to your journey. Like what what did you, while you were dating Kimberly, um, like what do you credit to maybe like setting yourself up for a strong and healthy marriage? Yeah, Chad, that um, I credit the Lord. He my wife and I are almost 25 years into this thing. And I look at where we are now and recognize we didn't know squat when we mm. got married about each other, about how life was going to go. Uh, but, but we did know that we want to make a lifelong commitment. And we did know that Jesus mattered deeply in both of our lives. And I think that's probably uh, the, the pivotal part that a lot of people put off in the corner with, with a casual, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I go to church. And so they kind of check a box and don't really ask deeper questions about whether or not the Lord is doing this. Um, should I marry this person? And should I marry them now are two massive questions. And I knew that uh, the Lord was bringing us together it was me and her and it was when we got married and all of that was really clear to both of us. And another thing, Chad, that I think was really important for us is we early on established a culture between us of when you confess your sin to one another, it's going to go well. There's going to be forgiveness and the power of forgiveness. And by that, I mean the ability that Jesus has when we engage in forgiveness, the ability that Jesus has to fix things now, like a second after the words come out of your mouth and whatever the hurt and pain and emotions involved, the Lord can heal that right then through forgiveness. And so early on, we did a little um, exercise with one another of just pouring out the things in our lives that we really felt like each other should probably know that that were the uglier parts of things in our hearts and whatever else and asking each other for forgiveness and to be able to say those things are behind us not in front of us and they won't become weaponized going forward and it did two massive things in the beginning of our relationship one was it allowed us to sort of clear the air with one another and doing that on the before side of a wedding rather than after the wedding really gives a lot of freedom to say, now you can make a choice and do what you want to do. And there wasn't a lot of nasty in there, Chad. I'm not trying to over um, glamorize that. But, but the second thing it did is it showed us what it's going to look like when we have to come to each other throughout 25 years of marriage and say, I screwed that up. Will you please forgive me? 
And um, after that initial moment, I had a really good sense of what's this girl going to do when I screw up things as I will. And the pattern has stuck. And it's as effective and powerful today as it was 25 years ago. Could I just dig a little deeper into that now, into marriage? Um, for, for me, Emily and I, we've been married 12 years. And obviously, arguments come up, fights happen, disagreements. And uh, so in that moment of of just a little anger or frustration, um, what, what would you counsel a, a guy like me uh, to do in, in that moment on like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm mad, I'm angry. I know I need to, you know, bring things back together, find resolution, but what, what do I do next? Chad, I think you got to learn as you have learned, but learn your wife's pace for restoration. And my pace and my wife's pace are not the same thing. Um, they're not really even close to each other. And I have to understand that. And then I have to um, think and act from her perspective, not my own. And so I have to be really careful because what looks like the right way forward and the right timing is not the same thing that she's thinking and feeling. And uh, I'm a slow learner on these things, but but I'm starting to figure out that she does this a bit differently. The other thing I've learned, Chad, is that... Um, when I sit on my hands and wait for her to make a first move, personally, I feel like I am neglecting a responsibility that is probably more wired into me. And that's not a man-woman comment. That's a that's a me and my wiring and my build and my desire to lead those really tough moments to say, I'll go first. And I might go first every time. And I might go first every time for the rest of my life. And sometimes that feels like I'm losing the battle, right? She's winning. She's got the upper hand, whatever. But that at the end of the day, I, I'm looking for restoration. And so is she. But if that means I need to go first with owning my side, with my apology, with my confession, then I'm pretty well versed in doing that and plan to probably do that for the rest of my life. Yeah, it it seems like uh, thinking about those moments as the Holy Spirit prompts um, and just wanting to bring things back together, you know, there is this um, desire to, um, yeah, confess, apologize, make things right again. And I think you had a good point, too, on just learning, learning her pace. Sometimes for me, knowing I need to give Emily uh, 30 minutes or an hour just to kind of um, get perspective. Um, but that, that's I, really good. Let me add good. this, Chad, because that, that's good. I think Pausing and asking for God's perspective on your spouse is really important as well. Mm. Lord, what do you think about my wife right now? Because because yeah. that all, always conflicts with what probably is going through my mind about she's wrong. She needs to hear this Bible verse. <laughs> she needs to go somewhere and pray. She it, it the Lord the Lord almost always has something different to say about what he thinks of my wife in those moments. And that, that will change your life. That'll change everything about how you, how you view your spouse when things are not going well. Yeah. And that seems like a key to marriage is, is, you know, 
not like maybe there's a day off, but you don't go a week, you don't go a month, you don't go a year with these these frustrations and underlying yeah, I issues. Think that's the, the biblical principle of don't let the sun go down on your anger. Uh, we try to take that pretty literally, and it's a little tough in the winter when it gets dark at 5.30, but um, we we really work hard to not ever go to sleep in some kind of sideways posture with each other. Yeah, that's good. Do do you and Kimberly, other than that, do you have any other kind of um, major rules or marriage uh, agreements that you guys have to kind of set your guys self up for uh, a, a successful uh, together marriage? So, Chad, my wiring would cause me to create a list of 10 practical rules that would be helpful for our marriage. Uh-huh. My wife's wiring would be repulsed by that. Okay. And so uh, I'm going to go back to where I started. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the here are our rules or here's the to-do list for how to have our healthy marriage. This is the regiment we go through. Date night is always on Wednesday night. And if we miss that, our marriage is going to fall apart. Sometimes all of that is the more programmatic side rather than the cultural side. Uh, you know this, but life and especially life in ministry, the programmatic goes out the window pretty fast because nothing is consistent. And so the, the question is, what is the culture of your marriage? And culture, again, is built slowly. It's built over time. And, uh, you know, 25 years in, I think we've got a fairly well-established culture of how we treat one another and through it all chad there is a deep covenant relationship that goes underneath and supports whatever the emotion of the of the moment is that i've never wondered like are are we falling apart is this how bad is this going to get it's always like here's a little moment but that moment is resting on top of a covenant relationship where that covenant relationship is lifetime. And since neither one of us is going anywhere, the quicker and the most, the more thorough we can bring ourselves back to good health, the better, because we're going to live the rest of our lives with each other. So let's, let's make that as awesome as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I I was fortunate for you to perform our wedding um, and go through the marital counseling. I'm sure you've you've done a lot of premarital counseling um, with with a lot of students as you've as you've pastored. But are there a few like foundational issues? You know, if you had five minutes with with a person, what, what would you want them to know? Hey, this is this is what marriage is all about. This is what you need to go do. I think, Chad, the the massive thing that I learned over the years in ministry of premarital counseling was so many people are too content with a surface answer to the question, are you a Christian? So you know this when you come into my office for premarital counseling, um, we're we're sort of at a no-go stage if somebody's not a believer. So we might as well ask those questions quickly. And my sense, it was like written on the bathroom stalls, like Kurt's going to ask this question. Here's the answer when you get in there, right? And so I felt like too many couples were content with, oh, yeah, they they told me they're a Christian. And so I quit asking that question like that and started asking about, tell me about your walk with Jesus. And I would pull people aside and just say, hey, did you hear what they said? Like other than they went to church a little bit when they were a kid and they claimed to be a Christian, I'm not hearing anything about their daily life with Jesus. And 
when it comes time for Kimberly and I to reconcile a moment in marriage, I need to know that the spirit of God is at work in her life and that she's going to say yes to him way more than is she going to respond to me. If if she's not actually following Jesus, and I guess I guess to say it strongly, I don't really care if they're going to church. That that doesn't mean a whole lot anymore. But if she's not actually following Jesus, and I know my wife needs me to be following Jesus and listening to him, um, or or I'm going to screw all this stuff up. And so digging deeper into what does it look like? Is this person actually pointed toward and in love with Jesus? And is that the thing that I am attracted to in their life? So a fun little exercise with a new couple is to say, what, what attracts you guys to each other? And I just keep teasing that question out until they get exhausted with all the things they could think of. And, and way too often, Chad, I have to be the one to say, what about their walk with Jesus? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's super important, too. Like, yeah, you didn't mention that in the top 10. And at this stage in my life, I'm like, okay, uh, next, we're done. This is over. Y'all shouldn't do this. Go get your lives with Jesus straight, and then let's talk. Um, because that's the only way you do this. That's the only way you do marriage is when Jesus is leading the way. That's good. So that's Kurt. one. That's a big one. Nah, that's good. Is there anything else on premarital that you wanted to hit on? No, it's okay. I, if not. I would say this. Um, and this, for some people, this casts a shadow on their relationship, but they don't like that. They've told me that. But I would say, can people articulate the threats to their marital relationship? And are they paying attention to them? And do they plan to pay attention to them for the rest of their lives? Awesome. And there's too many stories. And I, I have some specific ones where people have said, Kurt, I don't want to live my life like that. I, I don't want to always be watching for what might go wrong. And I told him, I said, I, I'm sorry, this is the world that we live in. And you have an enemy who's way stronger than you are. And he's going to seek to do everything he can to destroy your relationship with your spouse. Um, and Chad, too many of those stories went exactly where that story ends. Yeah. Because they refused to pay attention over the course of their marriage. Yeah. Um. And I know Emily and I saw that uh, just within the first seven years or so of, you know, friends singing on stage or just people I thought were, were solid in their faith for them to end their marriage, you know, so quickly. And I know there's grace uh, and forgiveness to come back from those tough things. But what are I'm thinking personally now for, you know, um, you know your, your daughter's about 18 or, or thinking about a, a younger um, coach who's single on this call, like or for, for a father, you know, my daughter is six, but I think like one day as you critique uh, a young man, um, I'm just thinking about how, what are some red flags? Like, how, how do you know that they are truly following Jesus? And how would you advise that that young coach, like to discern if, if they should marry this, this person that they're interested in? I rarely have found um, the rushed engagements to be necessary. And Chad, I've heard some really, really, uh, dumb reasons why people are rushing their wedding from I got cruise tickets at work and I want to use them for my honeymoon to we really like this date on the calendar and that's the date we want and every story that I could share with you have all ended in divorce and so I think walking with somebody for a long season 
at least all four seasons, right? I want to see what a person is like as the calendar progresses. What happens at the holidays? What are they like uh, in the summertime? Maybe they're a coach. What are they like in the off season? What are they like in the in the thick of the season? Um, what happens in February when it's gray and dark and gloomy? And do they know what to do when when their spirits are down and they need to be refreshed and revived and, and they can't go to the beach? Just to watch a person's life and to consistently be engaged in what does this person's walk with Jesus look like? It, it actually doesn't take a long time to figure out if they're serious about the Lord, but I don't know why you wouldn't want to pay attention for a long time. Yeah, that's really good, Kurt. I, uh, we could, we could just go for, for an hour. I could just keep, keep asking questions and, and hearing from your wisdom that just made the last uh, subject to hit on is just with parenting. Um, you know, you've, you've, you're in the process of raising two daughters. Um, a lot of coaches face that, that time of demand on, you know, they, they want to be excellent in their work. They feel the pressure uh, to perform. And then also they, they want to win at home. They want to be a good uh, spouse. They want to be present with their kids, but um, just, uh, yeah, how did how did you balance that uh, just with a busy schedule as a pastor? How did you balance that time together and then still try to get that quality time with with your family? Chad, I think your question assumes I did balance that. Um, I think the jury is still out on how that has gone. Mm-hmm. But I but I have carried a sense of recognition that this really matters. And I committed um, early on that if the particular role in ministry that I was in began to tear at the fabrics of my marriage and my family beyond what, what I think Jesus would tell us, right? Love God first. And um, there's some pretty strong statements about leaving your father and mother and your children and your fields and one version of that verse says in your wife. And so the balance isn't what do I like to do and what do I want to go after? The balance is what is Jesus calling me to do and how do I do that well while also being a good husband and a good father? And I don't have to figure all that out because the Lord has to figure all that out. I just need to be ready to follow and make sure that uh, my priorities are where they need to be. And so I think, Chad, the the train wreck that I've seen is when people are in positions maybe that they really like or that's really lucrative or that's a really good step forward, and they refuse to say things like, if this starts to destroy my marriage, if this starts to destroy my kids, I'm going to do something else. Too many of those bad story stories start with, uh, this is where I was and this is what I had to do. And I, I look at too many of those stories and say, I'm not sure you had to do that. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that the Lord was asking you to do something that caused you to never see your family. I'm not sure the Lord wanted you in a job where you always had to sacrifice your relationship with your church. I'm not sure the Lord was telling you to be gone from your wife that often. You, you better make sure. You better make sure. And you better go into it with the faith that says the Lord could do something else. And I'm willing to go after that regardless of career cost or ambition or whatever else I was pursuing. That's good. 
That's good. Great advice. Thank you for sharing. And um, just uh, I want to sidestep just to finish. Uh, we got a lot, a lot of coaches that that tune in and listen. And um, just if you had one piece of advice, um, not not even related to marriage, but just as far as you know, your heart for the local church, your heart for for discipleship, for multiplication, for the gospel going out uh, around the world. Um, what what would you want to tell a coach who's who's leading uh, a group of young people? Chad, I'm going to share something out of my day-to-day life. Um, the church is in a really, really difficult space right now. And I don't mean globally. I mean, like, in the U.S. and I know in the Midwest, the church is in a really tough space. And this, the, the generation that we are encountering right now is a whole different deal. Um, I would encourage coaches who are feeling like, Man, this isn't the same. This isn't the same thing that I was doing five years ago, or ten years ago, or even two years ago. This doesn't. I'm not seeing what I used to see. I'm not accomplishing what I used to accomplish. Uh, my encouragement is that this is the moment where we need to stay the course and, and remain faithful to the Lord, because I think we're in the dark season. I think we're in the desert. I think that there's there's a challenge in front of us, a testing, if you will, that. The Lord has allowed us to enter into, and um, a lot of people are giving up and walking away because it's not quite what it once was. And um, the Chad Simpsons of the world who show up at 13 and spend the next decades of their life faithfully following Jesus, that's becoming harder and harder to find and to see. And I just really think that this is a time where we put our hands to the plow and we look forward and we trust Jesus to get us through this, and we do not give up. Mm, love it, love it. Good stuff, Kurt. Well, just uh, as we end, we just want to end with prayer. Is there anything that we can be praying with you or or Kimberly about now? So the so the big stuff in our life right now, Chad. Um, it, you've already mentioned I do have a senior in high school who is itching to launch and head off to school. Uh, she may be choosing a college in an environment that is is uh, going to be tough. And we are uh, handling all the things you handle as a parent of the first child who leaves home. And so I am challenged by that. My wife is having all sorts of beautiful and painful moments of my baby's leaving and life's going to be totally different. And I've put Chad Simpson's book in front of my daughter, how to go and be a freshman at college and do that well. But that that's a major, a major thing. On the other side of that, I'm looking forward to a deeper investment in my younger daughter. Uh, this this is uh, an opportunity where she's gonna she already tries to rule our house and she's a wonderful little child who serves well, but I'm looking forward to a deeper investment in her in the days ahead. So praying about those things, they're they're front burner for us in these days. Gotcha. Good stuff. Well, let's pray. Thanks, Chad. Lord, we we just come to you, God. Um, you're the author and, and the perfecter of our faith, and uh, we're desperate for you. Thank you so much, God, for, for all the work that you've done uh, in Kurt and Kimberly's life throughout the years um, in, in youth groups and and uh, planting churches and, and now investing in, in pastors and, and churches to be um, built um, and 
Um, pray for his family, God. Pray that you would protect his family with your mighty strong hand. Uh, pray that you would guide his daughter in this college decision and help Kurt and Kimberly to trust in you um, with their precious children. Help us to all just trust in you and uh, use uh, the platform you've given us. Help us be faithful and obedient uh, the rest of this day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Kurt, such a great guy, Chad. You could definitely hear in the conversation how much of an impact he had in your life. Um, but I really like the point he made um, about that it's hard to believe that sometimes God might uh, push you towards a job that keeps pushing you away from your family. Um, and I think all three of us have felt that pull where our jobs were pulling us away a little bit from our families and we decided to take a different road. But just wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, no, Gene, that's that's a good point. And uh it's a it's real. It's a it's a struggle. And and I don't think it's just in coaching. Um, but I think the thing about business owners and and any other entrepreneur type of job, um, yeah, it's gonna be a challenge to know that. But um do you guys have any any thoughts on how you could uh overcome that that tension of you know, time demands away from family. Schedule more home matches. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And schedule a five o'clock games rather than seven o'clock. I started yeah. doing that earlier <laughs> for my career. Um, just to throw out there, I, I loved how he was talking about culture within his youth group. And it, it's the first time I really actually grabbed the concept of every marriage has a culture as well. And what what coach doesn't want a healthy culture for their team and then neglects the marriage culture. So be careful. And I appreciate that encouragement. And I love what he said, even before marriage, um, him and his wife, they, they just laid it all out. And they talked about some things that they just need to get out on the table. And I know my wife and I, before we got engaged, we sat down and we we shared some things in high school and we got that out before we got engaged. And so for any single coach out there, I, I think that's great insight, great advice to just kind of talk through some stuff before you get married. That's so good. And um, just coach for you out, out there listening. Uh, we just want you to know that that it's, it's a challenge. It's hard. The time demands, uh, the pressures are real. Uh, but we just want to strongly encourage you this month and throughout the podcast that um, that relationships matter. You know, if, if you're married, your marriage matters. Um, if you have children, your children matter. And so uh, just want to encourage you to keep pursuing them, uh, make time for them. And we know we can't do it without without Christ. And so keep him at the center, uh, guard that time with him. And uh, and let's see. Um, how how we can keep growing in our relationships but uh tune into us we're going to be back again next week with one more interview uh focused on uh relationships and marriage and uh we end every episode the exact same way uh the mission field is right where you're at <laughs>